if I think about the future of GBS, I would encourage all of my peers to look at where it's not about scale at the expense of being agile. It's actually both. And we need to have the actually the opportunity to pivot. Welcome to the GBS Masterminds podcast, the one and only platform for global business service leaders to share their experiences of building world-class shared service organizations. My name is Sashi Narakari, founder and CEO of Hyredius, and I'll be your host. Today, I'm honored to host Angela Manjepani, a GBS leader with 30 plus years of experience. Angela has had a very inspiring career where she made her way from an analyst to president of Mars Global Services. Mars is a 35 billion revenue company. Everyone knows the famous M&M brand. Currently, Angela leads a team of 3,000 plus associates at their GBS centers. Angela, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Sashi. It's great to be here. Angela, you had an inspiring career at Mars. You started off as an analyst, and then now you are the president of Mars Global Services. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Sure. Maybe I'll, I'll provide a little bit of context uh, first. So I'm Canadian, born and raised in Toronto, a daughter of Italian immigrants who actually uh, came to Canada back in the early 60s. And what they ensured uh, that was imparted to me was a strong uh, work ethic, the value of education, because uh, they themselves had very limited uh, schooling, and then the importance of always giving back, uh, no matter where you are in life or what position that you have. And it is one of the reasons that actually I've also stayed at Mars because the values of Mars, which is very purpose-driven, principle-led organization, and it's given me an opportunity to work on three different continents uh, across our various businesses, across a number of functions. So very much giving me the opportunity to learn and grow every day, but more importantly, also to provide me an opportunity of, of with the people that I'm, I'm leading, uh, instilling to them the importance of also learning new skills, continually upskilling with new capabilities. That's important that we build up that human capability, as well as then given that you know we are working in communities, what is the contribution that we give back? And certainly, um, you know, throughout my career at Mars, very much have been um, focused on on female mentorship, and actually, quite recently, over the past several months. The Mars platform has given me this wonderful opportunity to actually to participate in what is the Kalinga Foundation. And this is an organization that is uh, all about you know, eradicating gender-based violence. So again, my journey has one that has given me the opportunity to not only be professionally fulfilled, but very much given me the opportunity to fulfill my own personal goals that I have. Yeah, amazing. I'm sure it's a very fulfilling career and ongoing. So I'm going to switch gears to your GBS role. So I guess we talking about the $6 million questions that every GBS head should know. I'm going to start with the first one. Okay. What is your view of the future of GBS? And specifically in terms of considering various GBS processes, as you know, that you sure. handle. Sure. Mm-hmm. Which ones would you engage your own associates? And where would you bring in third-party experts? Yeah, yeah. That's a great question. And I'll answer it twofold. One is that the pandemic actually caused us a great opportunity to shine. And I would say it also gave us uh, an opportunity to bust perhaps some of the paradigms. So if I think about historically, when you think about scale, a lot of people associated with it must be big and therefore it must be slow. 
And instead, when the pandemic came, we were able to quickly mobilize the office-based workforce, work from home. You know, we had over 40,000 people that started suddenly overnight, had to work from home. We were able to close the books, not only meet our dates that we always had, but if anything, the quality actually improved. The paradigm shift is all of a sudden, we realized that we wouldn't have been able to have done that if we didn't have the scale. But the scale also did not, you know, it did not mean to be slow. The scale meant we had to be agile. We had to go at pace. And so if I think about the future of GBS, I would encourage all of my peers to look at where it's not about scale at the expense of being agile. It's actually both. And we need to have the opportunity to pivot. So that's the one thing. The second part is, is if I look at also, again, what the pandemic brought, we talk a lot about the future of work, right? And this is not about return to office. Very different. The future of work is how do I now look at what has to get done in an organization? And as part of our efficiency principle, right? Our efficiency principle is about we always need to look at how we get work done and make sure that it gets done in the place where where it can be done in the best possible way, right? Optimization. So it's given us this opportunity to look across the entire value chain. Let's look at at what our suppliers are doing. Let's look at what our third-party BPO providers are doing. Let's look at what we need to do within the four walls of our GBS. Let's look at what the segments need to do. Let's look ultimately what the the consumer is doing, right? Hopefully it's eating our products, right? Or utilizing our our services. And so we're looking at that and seeing where, where does it make sense for that work to get done? And where do we then provide value? So everything is about value creation. Interesting. I mean, that's a lot of scale that you've handled. And it's uh, congratulations to you. I'm going to go to the second million dollar question. This is yeah. actually <laughs> an interesting one. I would like to get your perspective, which is harmonize and standardize first or lift and shift first? It depends. I think you really need to take a look at the organization and look at its maturity. And also be very clear about what is what is its departure point and where does it want to go. So I can tell you what we're doing, right? We have determined over, you know, through I would say experience. So I've got I've got the scars to show forth is that bringing it in first and then standardizing has has worked for us for a couple of reasons. One is that it allows us to be very clear with the market that we've taken the work from. Is let's not focus on how it gets done. Let's really be clear. What do you want to achieve? So in other words, if it's about, um, let's let's take a look at working capital, right? Because obviously a lot of the work we do is around AR and AP. Those are components of working capital. Let's not worry so much about how that process gets done. Let's look about, you know, what do you want to see in cash? And then let leave it to the GBS to figure out how do we best optimize how that work needs to get done. Ideally, we should be standardizing. If the more you standardize, the more that you simplify the way the work gets done, you're streamlining it. You're freeing up, I would say, all of associates to be able then to focus on what they need to do. Interesting. All right. So we'll move to the third million dollar question. And I've heard from various GBS leaders and share service groups that at some point you kind of bought out, which is like it's challenging to scale beyond a certain point. So I want to get two perspectives from you. One is specifically your own experience with bots and how has it gone? What are some of the challenges? And also in general, any recommendations for selecting technology for automation? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's a lot of it will tie back to even what we talked about standardization. But the, the analogy I'd, I'd like to give you is, so I learned how to swim very late in life. I was 18 when I learned how to swim. And I remembered part of the test. I had to go onto the diving board, you know, and you had to jump. We, I would say we were unconsciously incompetent, right? We didn't know what we didn't know, right? But we figured 
we're going to learn. And so rather than waiting until we all figured it out, we started uh, with use cases, we did some, some sprints and so forth. And what we found is indeed, we were able to free up people's time. In other words, yes, we automated a process and therefore that, that person did not have to work on it. But what we also found is that if all you're doing is automating the existing processes that actually create a lot of frustration, they're not the most efficient, we're not really going back and saying, how do I actually do this better? All you're doing is, is you're still creating inefficiency, except that you're doing it faster. You know, we use Salonis, for example, we put it into our systems and, and they found out we were doing things over and over again. You know, so to me, there was a huge opportunity to really optimize the work that was being done. And then you automate that. So that was one area. The other area, though, that I have to say I'm really excited about recently is the work that we're doing on AI. And actually, we're doing a lot of that with High Radius in that what we're doing is we're looking at our customer behaviors, their patterns, and able to use that to say, okay, when a remit comes in, is that something that is applied to just a, an invoice that's come in, or is it actually now going to be part of a dispute? We saved about 50% of associates' time trying to figure that out and redirecting their work to actually addressing the dispute right away. And that, again, has accelerated our cash coming in because then when you resolve disputes, you then can either find, you, you know where it needs to be booked, or you have an opportunity to convert that non-working dollars back into, into working trade dollars for the customer. So that's been just a, a few of the examples. We've used it for credit and risk and scenario planning. So really excited about those areas. And again, all that could not have happened if we simply just looked at how do I just replicate what I'm doing today and doing it through automation to let me actually get to the root cause of the issues and let me use AI, let me use automation to help me make a difference. The million dollar question for GBS leaders. Okay. Cost cutting, GBS being just a pure cost cutting to becoming a revenue driver. What is your secret recipe for transforming to a revenue growth strategy, especially with the large and diverse GBS workforce that you have? Well, I think first and foremost, when I took over um, the GBS here at Mars, and it was a bit of a reset strategy, we needed to really transform it. I refused to call it a back office. I refused to have us only look at it from a cost perspective. I would argue that cost, quite honestly, is everybody's business. I mean, any function in a business, it would be a misuse of funds if they didn't look at being very cost efficient, right? But what we looked at was it's all about creating value. So our mission is, is creating value, creating insights. And the way that we do that is through our scale, is through the technology that absolutely needs to be embedded, and then through our, our unique set of skills that perhaps aren't as readily available in the segment. So that's been our, our mantra from day one. And so as we look to it, we are saying, you know, we do need to deliver on operational brilliance. And again, operational brilliance defined not just as efficient, but very effective, as well as what is the experience that we're driving so that we're really freeing up our associates to not have to worry about the what I call the, the execution side. The other area I talked about was expertise. So we provide an opportunity, whether that's in how we are, are procuring, how we actually move goods. So we have, for example, a very strong team that does duty and, and compliance. These things are expert centers. And so we're really valuing those associates and ensuring that they develop. And I think the third part is that we never have seen ourselves as separate from the rest of Mars. We are, you know, finally I'm starting to see 
where we've got associates in the in our organization moving over into the segments and we're getting folks from the segment coming in and joining us. And so this provides just a great diversity of thinking, of perspective, of experiences, and I think just makes overall Mars in total much more capable and stronger for it. All right. So we'll move to the next million dollar question number four. So there is a lot of confusion with the GBS leaders. What to choose? The traditional ERP, you have, if you have SAP, then you're on the SAP HANA journey. If you have Oracle, then you're going to Fusion platform. And then there are all these modern niche platforms like Coupa, Blackline, Hydridis, of course. So what is your recommendation? How do you kind of figure out what to choose, how to bring it all together? This is certainly the, uh, I would say it's the trillion dollar question, not only a million dollar question. And, it, and it's a question that actually is it's interesting, um, Sashi, because I would say that even 30 years ago, there was still very similar questions. Is, do we go to best of breed? Do we go to uh, you know full SAP? And, and so the debate continues to this day. I would say to you, you know, there's three things for me. One is that first off, you, you do need to have an ERP model, which is handling the transactions. And we need to identify that we have different business models. But I need to make them as small as possible and, and have them really stick to the core of what they do, which is processing transactions. So that's a, the first piece. The second piece then is we have this plethora of technology that uh, solutions that you just uh, highlighted, but we shouldn't shy away from them. And we should actually embrace them because they're the ones that can, you know, they basically can sit around that ERP. You'll have to understand that maybe what works for you today may not necessarily be the solution for you tomorrow. So you need to be very adaptable and ensure that you're always looking at, there's a shelf life to any decision that I'm going to make and always review and make sure that, am I getting still the best use of it? So you never want to get into anything that is going to have you fundamentally be stuck with something for a long period of time. And then the third element of is like anything, all this works if you've got strong data governance in place, because all this, whether you go with one solution, multiple solutions, you need that data. I'm going to give you another analogy. You see, I like to do analogy. I love jewelry. So I'm going to use my jewelry analogy. So if I, you know, the best way I can explain this is that I look at, you know, you purchase a diamond pendant for your wife, right? And the diamond is beautiful, but the value of a diamond is in itself the first time cut, right? Versus I like to look at the decisions right now in terms of at least how I see it is like a string of pearls. And in a string of pearls, you can have different size of pearls. You can have different, you know, you have the black pearl, you can have the white pearl, you can restring it. And actually, as you you make the a bigger necklace, like a longer necklace, the value of that necklace actually improves versus when you cut up the diamond, the value actually goes down. I'd like to use that analogy with my folks, which is we're really building here a beautiful string of pearls, of which we're going to have to restrain potentially several times, change some of the pearls. But at the end, no matter what, it will be one that has more value than what it had at the beginning. All right. So last closing question, Angela, what would be your advice to GBS leaders of the future? And also, if you can touch a bit on, since you've been a woman leader, work your way up, a specific advice to women leaders out there, aspiring women leaders. Okay. Okay. So I'll tell you at least from my own personal learning, because that's all I can really provide. I always say to people, you know, I'm, I'm not here to, to give advice, but I certainly can share with you my learning and my experience. So to your point, I would say what's relevant for a GBS, but probably for any any leader, is that really ensure uh, you don't have others defining who you need to be, that you define yourself. And the best phrase I I can relate back to you is, uh, if you can't say no, your yes means nothing. And that really stuck with me. And so again, that's why I always say to to folks is really understand what are those non-negotiables and live to your values 
and really ensure that each and every day you're true to who you need to be. And that goes for men and, and women. So that would be the first thing. The second one would be in that, you know, remain curious, see life as really an experience to be had versus only looking at that end destination. And they forget to enjoy the journey. And I'll give you a personal example. A number of years ago, I went for a, a role here at Mars. I, it was a chocolate HR role, you know, as head of the global chocolate division. And I didn't get the job, right? Devastated, right? Because I thought, oh, this is what I wanted. I wanted to have a career in HR here at Mars. And at the interview panel that we had, there was also the CEO of one of our pet care businesses, Royal Canin. And Royal Canin was based in the beautiful South of France. It was a business that was smaller at that time, but one that was growing double digit. And so he had seen me in the interview and said, you know, I'd love to have you come over and head up HR at Royal Canin, bring in some of the Mars signature processes. And so to me, one door closed, yes, but another, another window open. And then the one you were saying about for, in particular for females, I would say that raise your hand. Again, too often we look at roles and we say, oh, I don't have this. So therefore I'm not going to apply. Or if I was thought of that I could do this role, I would have already been asked. And you got to bust all that because at the end, you only can control what you want to drive. This has been a very insightful conversation, Angela. Thank you. It has been a delight to have you on the GBS Masterminds today. Thank you very much, Sasha. I really enjoyed it. That was the GBS Masterminds podcast. For more information, visit gbsmasterminds.com and make sure to search for GBS Masterminds in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And on behalf of the team here at High Radius, thanks for listening.